The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South, tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's happening, Memphis? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Football Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, commercial appeal sports columnist. I'm joined, as always, by Evan Barnes, our Tiger football beat writer, as well as Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer, also an expert in uh, DeSoto County High School football. Um, Yeah, we uh, wish we were coming with some better news, but uh, obviously the Tigers coming off a a humbling loss at Cincinnati over the weekend, 49-10. to uh, most lopsided loss Memphis has Memphis football has suffered since the final year of the Larry Porter era. Um, and they've got, obviously they've got a game this weekend coming up. Memphis does against uh, South Florida, uh, hoping to rebound. Um, but we'll, we'll get to South Florida in a bit, but I, I think we, we, we should start off with the Cincinnati game. Uh, what, what it confirmed and what it means moving forward, um, it was just it was a game. It was a game where Cincinnati just clearly dominated Memphis. They were clearly the better team. Uh, Memphis couldn't run the ball, uh, didn't have much success passing the ball, and didn't have much success stopping Cincinnati. Um, it was just a a thorough uh, butt kicking uh, that. I think said a lot about Cincinnati and how good Cincinnati is. Also, I think highlighted some of the we, – we'd seen warning signs through the first four four games of the year, but I think a lot of the, the flaws of this Memphis team, be they flaws just because they lost a lot of guys to graduation or flaws because they've lost guys to opt-outs or just flaws in general. I think it just highlighted some of the things that they were able to overcome the first four games. Um, But all is not lost. I mean, Memphis still has an outside shot at getting into the AAC championship game. Um, But very clearly, uh, at least right now, they are not in the same league as Cincinnati. And maybe the rest of the AAC isn't in the same league as Cincinnati. That's how good they looked. Um, Evan, your impressions from the game. What what concerned you the most coming out of that Cincinnati game for Memphis? Well, we knew the defense was going to have to, you know, show itself that game, and they did not. We know that that defense is struggling. Um, what surprised me the most, and maybe this speaks to Cincinnati's front being really good, Memphis had five rushing yards and yes, 40 of those, they lost 40 yards from Brady getting sacked, but it's really hard in a modern football game to see a team, a college football team, a division one team with five rushing yards in the game. I thought that was pretty, that was pretty dominant by Cincinnati, but it also kind of shows just where this rushing attack is not what it was before. And let's be honest, the bread and butter of the last three years, as good as Memphis's offense has been, it's been having great running backs who can, you know, find a way to get open, great offensive line play that can create holes. Um, so I think it's it's not just the running running backs, it's the offensive line that probably has some questions. And I think for me, it, it, we, we kind of talked about this. This was a game where they definitely missed uh, Kenny Gamewell, but I will argue they also missed Dustin Woodard. They also missed 
Scotty Dill. They missed the guys who were not on this line anymore because those holes weren't, weren't there. When Memphis did have running room, guys couldn't get out and go. I mean, they missed that. So I think for me, my concern is this offense is still going to be rated well because the passing game will get yards. But can this running game really be effective, even though it's not explosive? They have been, but we've seen now the limitations of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we you can't overlook the fact that I think Cincinnati's not just the best team, best defense in the AAC. It looks like one of the best defenses in the country. But to, but to your point, I think what stuck out to me is like Memphis fans, even during this six year run where where the the program has elevated itself to heights a lot of Memphis fans couldn't imagine a decade ago. The defenses haven't been great during this run. Like it's not like Memphis has had a great defense. Even last year, last year's defense stood out only because it wasn't bad. It was like an it was like an average defense rather than what Memphis had had previously, which was just bad defenses. And now it's just back to being a bad defense. Like that's what this Memphis defense is. But over the past five six years, Memphis has had the type of offense where, in a lot of cases, they've been able to overcome. Uh, they've been able to overcome some of those defensive deficiencies just because they can put up points. Like even the two years ago, uh, the Missouri loss where they lost by 30 to Missouri, they put up 33 points in that game. And against Cincinnati, they basically were one. Uh, let's call it what it is. I mean, it was a wide receiver screen to Taj Washington that to his credit, he broke for 92 yards. I mean, but you take that out and the, the offensive production is even, is even worse. Um, you know, and so that was what took me by surprise is that not only that they lost the game, but the offense didn't look, uh, capable of, of even, of even making it a game. Um, and I think it speaks to the fact that you're going to have a drop off when you lose a play caller, like Mike Norvell, when you lose a running back, like Kenneth Gainwell, and you lose a wide receiver, like DeMonte Coxie, it's, like Taj Washington, Javon Ivory, those guys, you know, Rodriguez Clark, like those guys are, I think going to be good players in time. They're already pretty good, but you can't just, it's hard to just slot new guys in there um, when you're not recruiting five-star recruits like Alabama can pull it off and Clemson can pull it off because they've got five-star recruits. Memphis, let's just be real. is never going to have five-star recruits. And to just jump right in there. It's not to say they're not going to have really good players. Like I think, I mean, Taj Washington is shown to be a really intriguing player uh, moving forward, but um, that was what was surprising. But I think it also confirmed what you'd seen with your eyes. I know they'd been putting up yards and points in the first four games, but I think any objective observer would say this offense wasn't quite the same as last year's offense. Um, And then it was kind of highlighted uh, in this game against Cincinnati. Jason, you were watching the game. What were your takeaways um, from how Memphis looked and how, I guess, how thorough, thoroughly outclassed they were, at least for one day? Yeah, in the moment, um, what really just stood out to me in the moment was just was the secondary and just, um, you know, yeah. Cincinnati is not – I mean, 
they didn't they didn't end up with a ton of passing yards, but early on they were they were really taking it to them. I think they had 140 something passing yards against that Memphis secondary in the first quarter. It was very um, clear Cincinnati was like like Desmond Ritter is not known as a passer. Like his right. biggest threat yeah. is his legs, and I think he dropped back to pass like the first 10 11 plays of the game. I mean, like Cincinnati said, we're going to go after the secondary, and I yeah, think yeah. USF will do the same this week. They picked them apart, and part of the reason why they didn't end up with more passing yards than I think 270 or whatever they finished with is because they didn't need it. Um, yeah. They were so far ahead, they didn't need to keep throwing the ball. So that in the moment, that was, you know, the, the thing that just really struck me was, was not only how um, easily Cincinnati was moving the ball through the air, it's just I'm not seeing necessarily any progress. I mean, like, and, and we can sit here and talk about how um, a lot of these guys are new. A lot of these members of the secondary are somewhat new. Well, we're five games into the season, and you want to start by that point, you want to start to see some progress. You want to start to see some guys making some adjustments, and I'm just not seeing it. I haven't seen it. Now, granted, Cincinnati mm-hmm. is very good. They've got playmakers all over the field, et cetera, et cetera. But um, so that, that was in the moment. The other thing uh, that I've had it now that we've had a chance to sort of sit back and digest this is – um, Evan brought it up already, is the rushing attack. They had 29 rushes for five yards, and, yeah, you pointed out a lot of that was sack yardage. But uh, I, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, could we be – could this be the start of something pretty uh, – the start of a rough trend, uh, shall we say, because, because – Cincinnati, yes, they've got what the number nine overall in the country, number nine rushing. Well, and, and specifically, their front seven is full of guys who are not just like they've got a ton of experience in the front seven, and they got a few like there's a bunch of guys on that defense who are going to play on Sundays. Like that, that I, I'm not ready to just like like I'm I'm okay saying this offense isn't as good as last year's. I'm not I'm not ready to just bury the offense i think they were going up against a really good defense no i think that's sure fair. i mean we're not saying that this is this offense is just you know broken or anything we're just saying that they faced a really good team but we talked about how it looks like this team isn't running the ball as explosively as they used to and so they'll put up yards but like jason was saying i think we'll see with south florida south florida's run defense isn't that good we'll see how they get back on track and maybe they'll look great but how many how many 20 yard runs do you think Memphis has this year? I can tell you, but how many do you think they have? Three. Eight. The answer is somewhere in the middle. I looked this up for uh the story I wrote Tuesday here at the commercial appeal, which we're recording this. Memphis, uh, Memphis, I believe, has five. Okay. So so here's what here's what I'd like but to I, I also think part of that is Rodriguez Clark is not. Kenny Gainwell and not even in the sense that he's not as good as Kenny like Kenny Gainwell was like a speed guy Rodriguez Clark is more of a lower the shoulder and 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 run you over type of guy yeah right so it lends itself to having some less explosive plays right but I think go ahead Jason well I was gonna say here's something I I I want to point out um you know this is not really necessarily anything new um, the Memphis rushing attack has not been the same. We, we've seen that. Mm-hmm. And and take Cincinnati out of the out of the 
you know, not including Cincinnati, the highest ranked rushing defense that Memphis has faced this year Mm -hmm. is Arkansas State, and they are ranked 67th in the country, in the country in rushing defense. They haven't exactly seen a bunch of great rushing defenses, and yet they're still not necessarily lighting it up. So my concern at this point, did Cincinnati expose Memphis's offense where Mm-hmm. just shut down the run game and dare Brady White to beat you with Taj Washington and Javon Ivory and Sean Dykes. I mean, they showed that – And Cal, we're forgetting Calvin Austin. Calvin Austin. Austin. Calvin Austin, yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, he's he's been the most productive, most consistent um, offensive player, I think, on the entire uh, roster so far this year. But, yeah. uh, you know, you, you, you shut down the run game and – Memphis can only score uh, 10 points, one touchdown. Um, granted, again, it's Cincinnati. It's great defense, a lot of great players. But that is that the recipe for success uh, against Memphis now going forward? Yeah. Just shut down the run game and hope hope that, uh, you know, you can, you can withstand uh, a few touchdowns. Yeah, no, this USF game feels like a big moment for Kevin Johns, who's now calling the plays. Um, for Ryan Silverfield, who's obviously got a big hand in this offense as well, especially the run game. Um, and you know, for the offense in general, like they, if they have another so-so game, like, you know, let's just be real. Like they can, they don't have to play their best to beat USF. I don't think, I don't think they can play like they did against Cincinnati and win, but they don't have to play their best to beat USF, but you'd like to see them rebound, um, in a, in a big, in an emphatic way against let, an inferior opponent. Um, and so this does feel like a big moment. Uh, I, I would say even for, for Kevin Johns as well. Cause like, I don't think his play calling has been glaringly bad at all. Um, like they've been, it's been fine, but I also have not come out of games. Like I used to with Mike Norvell going, man, that play call, you know what I mean? Like, it's been fine. It just hasn't been spectacular. You know, there's been some moment like, you know, that game the other day, they run that wide receiver screen to Taj Washington that works. I don't remember them doing it more than one or two times after that. Um, And I'm sure there's factors for it. They were set, you know, part of that is you're set, you know, they have all these different checks at the line and you're setting. And when the run game isn't working, when they don't have that balance that they like to have, it probably changes a lot of things about what you're trying to do. Um, but this, this feels like a, a significant moment just to get back on track and like get the confidence back that, Hey, we're, we're, we're still a, a really good offense. We can still move the ball when we want to. Um, and so it, it'll be, it's a, it's an interesting moment. It, 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 it's been so rare that Memphis's offense hasn't played well. Like the last time they played this poorly was the Ole Miss game last year, but you got to win in that game, you know? Like even in the Penn State game, like the Penn State game, like the offense looked great, you know? Like they, they, they held their own against Penn State's defense. And the Cincinnati games last year, the, the offense, you know, it wasn't as explosive and prolific as it usually is, but it, it, when it needed to be, it delivered. Um, and so, and like I point out, even the Missouri game two years ago, they put up 30 some odd points, even though they got blown out. So, um, because I don't know if you're going to be able, like to your point, Jason, I I don't know how much better this defense is going to get. 
Uh, you know, I think it might be an is what it is situation at the moment. Ryan Silverfield has hinted this week that, you know, it sounds like, you know, you come off a loss like that, you know, every job is technically up for grabs type of thing. But to me, if there was someone better, they would have turned to him already. You know, yeah. like, you know, like yeah. Yeah. it's not like this was the first time the defense looked looked bad. Um, they've looked bad in, in – in a lot of games this year. So to be, to be uh, fair to them, to be fair to Memphis, they're not, the defense isn't all bad. There, there are bright spots. Uh, well, the D line is not bad. The D line is not bad. Like O'Brien Goodson's playing his tail off. Um, yeah. You've got, you know, in the linebacking core, Cole Mashburn has been a bright spot, uh, like a new face bright spot there on the, in the linebacking core. Um, in the secondary, Quindell Johnson's had his moments. Um, he's also had moments where he's looked like a first-time starter. Um, Jacoby but, has played pretty decent considering things. Who's that? Jacoby Francis. Yeah, Francis hasn't been he, – he's certainly, you know, he's certainly been – he's been serviceable at least, you know, whereas the corner opposite him has been – whoever it's been has been just, you know, not, not good. It, it's, not, it's not been good. Uh, and we don't know if TJ Carter is going to come back this week or not. I mean, Brian Silverfield just said today, we're recording this on Tuesday, that uh, TJ practiced on Monday, but he's still day-to-day, and that he doesn't want to put him out there until he's 100%. And so I, it sounds like a we'll see type of deal with TJ Carter this week. Um, what are you expecting? This- oh, go ahead. My bad. I, I just wanted to say before we – before we switch topics, uh, two very telling stats for any defense um, are red zone defense and third down conversion defense, uh, you know, like situational, situational things. And it's weird because uh, third down conversion defense is not great. Um, they're ninth in the, in the conference and 74th in the country, but red zone defense, they're second in the conference and 16th in the country. So, it's just it's that I think that's part of what's so frustrating is that, you know, there are good spots. They do play well, uh, like rushing defense and red zone defense are great, but third down defense and pass defense are well, speaking specifically about pass defense, it's atrocious. They're allowing yeah. four hundred and six yards per game through the air, which is next to last in the country and more than 50 yards worse than the next worst, uh, the next best team, which is Georgia state. So it's, it's just, it's weird. They they very clearly, I don't know, you know, like I know there's some fans who are like upset at Mike McIntyre and, and I don't necessarily say you're wrong, you know, cause you know, ultimately it falls on him when the defense is playing this poorly. Um, But like that guy's coordinated a lot of successful defenses over the years. Uh, and um, I don't know. It, it could be him just not matching his scheme to what the personnel he has right now. But it's very clear whether it's his fault or the player's fault or whatever. Like, they have not picked up this scheme well. Like, you can just tell when you're watching them on the field. They are making mental mistakes a lot. There's a lot of looking to the sideline until right before the snap. Because they, to me, that's a symptom, you know, and I'm just, this is more speculating than anything, but it feels like a symptom of a group of players who don't exactly know what they're doing 
And so they're looking to the sideline to make adjustments and, you know, pre-snap, but that, you know, when you're spending that much time pre-snap looking toward the sideline, like that leaves you susceptible to things that the offense is doing pre-snap. And so it's just very clear. I, I think the defense one probably, you know, it probably doesn't help that they didn't have a spring practice that they're, that the, the preseason was disjointed that the season got, you know, messed up by COVID there for a month and they haven't learned the scheme well enough yet. Um, and also it's a scheme that, you know, none of these guys were recruited to. Um, and it's their third defensive coordinator in three years. Um, so I'll make, another, I'll make another argument. And this might, this is something I thought about on Sunday, Mark, when we reported the outbreak, what position did we report was most affected by it based on what we had reported that week? It was, it was it, from what we were told by several sources, it was, uh, it was predominantly defensive players who were, who were you know, as initially at least part of that COVID-19 outbreak that first forced the postponement of the Houston game and then ultimately led to that 28 day layoff. Right. So with that said, I, and this is, Again, speculation because we don't know who's tested positive or whatever. I'm wondering if that's playing a role too, just because let's face it, we don't know as far as recovery goes, like how certain guys, some guys have recovered, some guys haven't. We know against SMU, they said on the telecast that some guys were struggling getting their win. We know that, you know, that was a factor. And again, that might be part of it too, where they're just, you know, getting their bodies back, getting some win back. So again, that might be a factor too. We don't know but it's not out of the, it's not out of their own possibility, but either way, the defense has to figure out, you know, how to be serviceable these next few games. Um, but let's be honest, if, if COVID-19 is playing a role with this, then that's perfectly understandable given what we know about how it's affected people recovery wise. Just putting now, that out there. Yeah. Now the bright side is with how crazy this season is. Um, I still think Memphis could get into the AAC championship game. Like it's not, I'm not saying it's likely, but there's a chance as, you know, as uh, Lloyd Christmas once said, once said, you you know, you're saying there's a chance and there is like all, I mean, you look at the, like if Memphis can win out, if Memphis can win out, which, you know, can they beat Houston? Can they beat Navy? Can they beat USF? Can they beat um, Tulane? Yeah. I think they can win all four of those games. You, you, all you need is like Tulsa and SMU to lose a couple games. And like, I'm not saying that's likely, but I've watched Tulsa and SMU play this year. I'm also not saying it's not possible that those teams could lose multiple games here the rest of the way. Um, I, the sense I get is that Cincinnati is a step ahead of everyone else. And then there's everyone else. Like you, you can, you could put it, you put SMU, Houston, Memphis, uh, and Tulsa in a bag, shake it up, and any one of them could emerge. Like, I, I, I know, that's the sense I get with the league. I don't know if I would say that for just everybody behind Cincy, because I think maybe SMU might be a little bit ahead of Memphis, but I don't know. They got beat, they got their brains beaten in by SMU, too. Who? SMU, or excuse me, Cincinnati did. Or SMU got their brains beaten in by Cincinnati, too. Right. Well, I'm saying Cincinnati as far as that second tier, like Cincinnati. Maybe SMU is the best of the of the group right now, and nah. Tulsa. Well, here in the wild card, and all this is Tulsa. Like they beat UCF, 
which yeah, but they should have lost to ECU. Like they're not like Tulsa's not like I don't think I don't think any any of these teams are like great. No, and, and for Cincinnati, and that helps Memphis because the question is, do you see these teams losing twice in November? And I would argue to with you, I say yes. I think it's possible. Yeah. Yeah, no, no exactly. I, I do too. I also think what we've seen from Memphis is it's possible they could lose another game too. You oh, know, yeah. like that just assuming they're going to win out is is a is a big assumption. Uh, but it, it, there's an outside chance. It, it um, makes for another fun November. Let's just put it out there. November. Yeah, is no, it's not. It's not time to give up on the season uh, by yeah. any means. I, I think they. I think Memphis played poorly on Saturday. I also think they ran into a freight train that's probably going to run over everyone in the AAC this year in Cincinnati. So speaking, um, of, speaking of that, what does Memphis have to do to win Saturday? Show what up. they have to do to beat South Florida? No, I don't think they got it. I mean, here's, here's, here's USF, here's USF played play Temple close. And so they I don't play, think – I think they got to play a decent game. They no. can't just roll the ball out there and win. I'm not saying show up and just like, you know – screw around out there. I'm saying show up, be competent. You should win that game by double digits because yeah. South Florida has I, – I, I put this out in one of my in my story today. South Florida, I think, has given up 37 points in the last three games they played – or 37 points in each game they played. This team is not good. This team is not um, coming here, you know, as a world beater. Yes, their defense is ranked in the top 50, but – and they get a lot of interceptions, but guess what? So did last year's team. Now, granted, this Memphis team is not last year, but – that's how Florida pass defense was supposed to be really good, and we saw what Memphis did. I think if Memphis competently shows up, they can move the ball through the air. They can establish the run because South Florida's run defense is not that good, as as Jason noted. You know, they are, I believe, in the bottom 30, I think, or bottom 20 in, that, in the nation. I think they're 84th, I saw. If they establish the run and they move and they get yards through the air, they can win this game by double digits. I, I also think it's important – just to see some progress. You mentioned it earlier, Jason, to see some progress from the defense. I mean, Jeff Scott, the new U- the new USF coach, is a guy. He's an offensive guy. He was the offensive coordinator for a while, co-offensive coordinator for a while at Clemson uh, before this. Um, but this is his first year. He doesn't necessarily have his quarterback yet. I mean – this offense is ranked 87th in the country um, in, in total offense. Uh, this is not some world beater offense. And so you'd like to – you don't want to see – I don't want to see a shootout. Like, like I think the Memphis offense is going to rebound. I think they're going to put up points this week. Uh, but you don't want to see them have to win like a 40-30 to 30 game. I'd like to see Memphis's defense – you know, play the way it did against SMU in the second half. Like we've seen them do that against SMU for a half where they weren't like the greatest defense ever, but they were also like pretty solid. And so um, I'd I'd like to see the defense make some progress. Yeah. USF is dead last in the conference in points per game with 18. They're scoring 18 points per game. If you're in a shootout, then it's then it's then you'd better just batten down the hatches and get ready for a rough November because uh, yeah as we pointed out the South Florida is just not their offense is is struggling uh, this year and so yeah you, you hope if you're a Memphis fan that that uh, 
that the Tigers come out and establish, um, you know, that, that they can do, uh, do well against uh, teams that they should do well against. Yeah, and, and Ryan noted this too. They're playing three quarterbacks. I mean, yeah. if, if the whole thing is you have two quarterbacks, you have none. If you have three, you have what? Yeah. Now, well, my computer is about to run out of battery. And uh, so why don't we uh, – we'll, we'll see what, what – Well, it actually did run out of battery. So, Evan, we will take this opportunity to um, – <laughs> to uh to substitute ourselves uh uh in in mark's stead and and close things out did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about i think that i think that's it i think we'll see what happens on saturday and i think you know it'll be a interesting game 11 o'clock espn plus unfortunately if you don't have espn plus we'll have updates for you at commercialappeal.com um they'll post up they'll post some highlights of course but unfortunately it won't be on regular cable so um, if you're not a delivery bull, go to commercialpill.com. We'll have running updates for you. We'll have as much coverage as you need. But uh, we'll see how Memphis bounces back. Obviously, there's a good chance, but let's see what happens. So anything cool. else you got, Jason? No, I'm good, Evan. You 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 have fun out there uh, Saturday. And uh, everybody follow Evan on Twitter for his in-game updates and analysis. And then, uh, yeah, keep, uh, go back to commercialappeal.com during and after the game. And uh, – and, and for all his coverage and, and Mark's coverage as well. So uh, on that note, we will wrap things up and catch up with you guys next week. Take care, guys. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.